the child actor that um, he's speaking to during the news conference is Misha Barton. It is indeed from the OC. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what since then. But but the OC was huge. The Sixth Sense. <laughs> I, I Googled it. It was right around 99, right? Like yeah, 97? it was definitely the 90s. I don't know. Okay. What year. Yeah, it would have been right around though. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always only thought of her as like in the OC and then nowhere else, but it's cool that she's there. We should bring that up once the show actually starts though. Yeah, Wait, we, we haven't started. Yeah, we might have. This is like I won't know stretching. until I edit it. Who is to say? We're just like stretching. Yeah. So I was going to say something like, you know, I'm just a boy standing in front of a microphone <laughs> asking the audience to go and buy t-shirts from tpublic.com. <laughs> and that's, uh, and we can start with that. Um, as you guys know, I don't really know how to start the podcast yet. So it'll either be that or it'll be something like, welcome to Late to the Movies. I'm Ben Holton. This is a podcast where my friends and I get to fill in our movie blind spots Every week, we'll pick a movie that either I or a guest hasn't seen before, but really should have by now. This week, the movie closing out rom-com month is Notting Hill, 1999's Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts starring a uh, very British movie. That's pretty much it, right? American star, British guy. American yeah. star, British guy, <laughs> tale as old as time. Uh, this week, everyone's new, and I'll tell you who else is here. You've already heard a couple of voices, but it's me, it's Justin. Thank you for having me. Anytime. And Kate. Hello. Hello. Kate's returning. She was on the Contagion episode, and uh, now back by popular demand. Yes. Specifically mine, I asked you to be on it. <laughs> I, uh, after Contagion, I brought a real epidemiologist with me to flex his expertise on Notting Hill. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect timing. I, you have such a good radio slash podcasting voice, but Thank you. it's an honor. <laughs> I appreciate to it. see you at work. And I, I know. And I, I know some good podcasting voices. Yeah. I don't have one myself, but that's okay. What we want is authenticity here. Yeah. So I want all all voice types welcome okay. here on Late to the that. Movies. Before we get too much into Notting Hill, is there anything fun you guys have watched recently? Or not even necessarily fun, perhaps incredibly depressing, I don't know. <laughs> um, Notting Hill is probably the only movie I've watched recently. It was new to me, um, but I've watched a couple shows lately. Yeah. Um, I just finished the first and only so far season of Firefly Lane, which was pretty good. So that's that's my most recent. What, what is that? I don't know anything about that. It's Netflix, um, Catherine Heigl. It's about growing up and um, friendship kind of through the ages from middle school to your 40s. I liked it. Uh, Catherine Heigl back back into something, which is, is good to see. Mm-hmm. She's uh, She kind of was in the wilderness for a while there. I know. I know. I know. Yeah, what like she was knocked in, up. Was, yeah. Yeah, knocked up was what, like 15 years ago? Yeah. So. Yeah, she yeah. plays a, um, a TV show host, like an Ellen type. Okay. Oh, yeah. I can see that for sure. Yeah. It's uh, she was a news anchor in The Ugly Truth, so hopefully it's better than that because yeah. that was not a fun movie. Yeah, that's true. Actually, I also I incorrectly said I hadn't watched any other movies. I watched The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Um, I hope that I didn't butcher the title. Who's that um, about? Henrietta Lacks. Oh. <laughs> um, it was very good, and I watched it. Um, we did a a book club for it at work for Black History Month. So it was, it was heavy if you're familiar with the Henrietta Lacks story. Um, 
but good. Worth a watch. Despite oh. Oprah, who I'm not usually a fan of. Despite Oprah. <laughs> yes. This is an anti-Oprah podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, explicitly. All right. Well, this will be our last episode. Then. Have you watched anything <laughs> fun recently? Um, or unfun as it may happen? I don't. I rarely watch movies. They're very mm-hmm. long. This uh, is true. But I did w- with Kate partly watch and just like that, the Sex and the City reboot. Um, brilliant, brilliant show. Were you a fan of the original? Of course I was. I was going to say, I mean. The original was, ter- I mean, it's terrible. It's trashy. But, um, and there are so many problems with the the reboot, but. All, all said, it was it was good. Yeah, who was the? I don't know the character names, but the person who isn't there anymore, Samantha. Samantha, yeah. Samantha Jones, played by Kim Cattrall. Yeah, because she love Kim Cattrall. Does not get along with I think SJP, SJP. in particular. It's got to be. So. But I, the reboot was good. The first two episodes were a little rough. Okay, and yeah, it did it took have a bit, a bit some to problems. In. in an in an interview, <laughs> SJP told interviewers that she hadn't watched beyond the first two episodes, and she was a producer. Apparently, not a very involved one. <laughs> she missed out. <laughs> or maybe she just doesn't like watching her own stuff. Some people are like that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sada Ramirez was in it. I haven't seen them in anything since Grey's Anatomy. So. Okay, cool. Yeah, I love. I love his strong. I really like Kim Cattrall and other stuff. Uh, I guess that sentiment isn't shared by the cast. I'm specifically Big Trouble in Little China. She's really good. Okay, I was like, what else is she in? Did you ever see the video of her doing doing like jazz scat? It was on YouTube. No, I guess not. <laughs> she, yeah, that that's like when everyone was like, "Oh wow, she's gone off the deep end." It's highly. It's if you can take a little sample and edit it in, uh, that might <laughs> not to give you any editorial notes for your own podcast, <laughs> but it might be worth it. And and, and we'll hold. Wow, what a fun jazz scat <laughs> clip that we just played. <laughs> she really was going for it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess it's time to talk about Notting Hill, the last movie of rom-com month. One of the classic rom-coms featuring two very big stars at the height of their starriness in the late 90s. None of us have seen this movie before, so any of us are eligible to give a one-minute summary. I know Kate already nominated Justin to it. If you think you can handle yeah, talking. Yeah. Full plot summary in one minute. Start whenever you're ready. I would say that um, Notting Hill is a movie about a, a group of friends in England who are in, like weird contradictory class positions you have the key the main character played by hugh grant who owns a travel bookstore so he's he's a a business owner but it's failing um and then he has a friend who's a stockbroker, but um says he's the only one not doing well at the stock market this is late 90s during All like right, the boom. you're halfway through your time you haven't okay, mentioned okay, julia okay. roberts yet so julia roberts appears in the bookstore, they fall. They don't fall in love. I don't really want to say they fall in love. Basically, she tortures him for the rest of the movie using her her like wealth and power and status and and like attractiveness to like make him feel like shit. Uh, and eventually, it's implied that they end up to- together. But uh, you know, we, we didn't really see that far. This is a great one minute class analysis. Thank you. Of- <laughs> 
of Notting Hill. <laughs> I yeah, can try I mean, to that's, get... that's pretty much what happens. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no need to fill in any blanks. What uh, What was your familiarity with this movie before uh, watching it for real this time? Um, and it can be none. It's no wrong. Answers. I knew <laughs> there was Horse and Hound magazine involved in it. But it turned out it wasn't very substantial. It was just like a little little joke. Um, I remember my mom owning a copy. In my mind, it was VHS. I guess it could have also been a DVD. Yeah. I don't remember when those came out. Um, and I wasn't allowed to watch it. That was probably around 2000, 2001. So I was 10, 9. You were too young to know there's, about British people. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing too saucy in this movie. Well... There's, there's a sex scene, I guess, but yeah, you you see back, yeah, <laughs> sexy, sexy back. Um, yeah, but yeah, that, that was it. I haven't thought about it since then. Didn't even know that Notting Hill was a neighborhood in London. Couldn't have told you anything. Yeah, but you famously did not like London. I do. Oh man, you don't like I'm going one. down. Um, <laughs> that's funny. I have a, a coworker mo- who's moving to London today and I was talking to her she's like oh you should visit I was like I'd love to and then I remembered that I don't like London um I didn't I didn't tell her that but yeah I didn't love it I visited in 2012 um and I thought it was just overrated I was with my dad he made me sit through the changing of the guards I feel like you need to go back yeah I I need to go back like no no it's good you went once and did like the touristy stuff now you can like go do the the good stuff. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. No, you have to treat it like, uh, like as if you were going to New York city, not as if you're going to fucking Disney world, but it is, <laughs> it is very Disney world like in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was there with mm, my dad. Castles. There's castles. I did have one of my greatest memories with my dad during that trip, which was that, um, we came back to the hotel and we had one of those classic arguments about whether it's faster to take the stairs or the elevator. And I knew I was going to win so confidently and he also thought he was going to win and i did win wait which did he take the stairs i took the stairs of course you always take the stairs um and i won by a lot and i knew it so i know my dad so well that i knew he was going to think he was going to win and i knew he was going to try to scare me by hiding behind the door so i doubled down and hid in the sheets under the bed and let him hide behind the door in silence for like 30 seconds. And then I screamed from, from the sheets <laughs> and I, I got him good. Classic Ferreira story. Yes. <laughs> and this is your best memory of you and your dad. <laughs> my best memory of me and my dad in London. <laughs> no, that's a good story. I, um, yeah, I remember going to London right before the pandemic struck and coming back and telling you about it. And you're like, yeah, I don't like London. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I mean, I was excited about this trip. <laughs> I'm glad you liked London. <laughs> it's I'll good, go back. good for you. <laughs> good for and the, you. The food, you know, in 1999 when this movie w- w- came out, I guess I would think the food probably wasn't quite as good. The food's very good now. I've heard there's a really good Indian food in London. That I mean, that's before the white people food caught up. Mm-hmm. Yes, but now there's it's like now more a lot more. I, a lot more European, I guess, despite like them leaving the EU. Have I been there since I left the EU? I don't even know. Probably but, not. <laughs> but I ate good food. Good. That's all I remember. Yeah. Well, I'll give it another shot. I'm sure London will be pleased. <laughs> yeah. Well, Notting Hill is a neighborhood. As you've seen, they have street markets. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily like the number one place to go, but I think they have some kind of like movie tourism there now. And 
the original blue door on the apartment was sold to charity, I think, but the whoever lives there now replaced it with another blue door because of course, you know, you gotta have to. Um, my familiarity with this movie was basically the scene where she says, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her. That's one of the iconic, uh, rom-com moments. And really just in all the movies from that period of time, that is one of the big moments. Um, so it was interesting to actually watch, sit down and watch this movie. It's one of my sister's favorite movies and I dug it a lot. And I'm curious how you guys thought about it overall before we get into any kind of like granular details. I I was entertained by it. I didn't love it upon reflection. I also knew that quote and I didn't, I, I couldn't put a face to it, but I'd heard it many times. But yeah, not, not a huge fan of the movie though I had fun watching it. Yeah, similar, I'd say. It's like at a superficial level, like it's a it's like a movie that holds your attention and keeps you engaged. Um, but then when you like spend a minute thinking about like the content at a deeper level is like what? Like it's offensive, I think. So one thing that we've been doing this month talking about rom-coms is sort of um, maybe not deconstructing, but looking at them on a kind of formulaic level and what they all have in common. And one of the things that we've hit on a few times is that taken out of the context of a movie or taken out of the context of, oh, this person is really attractive to whoever they're inflicting themselves upon, there's a lot of sociopathic behavior in in romantic comedies. Yes. (laughs) And that's something that you guys already touched on. I don't know if either you want to sort of expand on your feelings of uh, Julia Roberts' character in this. Yeah, I thought she was just incredibly selfish um mm. and she seemed to kind of have no e- empathy i guess is the word i'm looking for um she you know time and time again kind of got caught up in her own like anxiety around the paparazzi or just fear i guess of of another relationship failing and there were moments where i was like oh that that sounds like it sucks like i feel bad but Overall, I feel like she treated Hugh Grant's character like shit, and I didn't want them to end up together um, by the end of the movie. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I hope they're happy. Yeah. I just wasn't convinced that things were going to be good for them. Like, I thought she might just flip out again, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's... there's, um, I don't know if I like or dislike, but I thought it was interesting that they kind of take away any open-ended amb- ambiguity towards the end of the film by flash-forwarding seemingly a year or so at least. Mm-hmm. And you see that they get married and she's pregnant at the end. They're on that bench that they visit that uh, when she's walking them home one night. Yeah, I felt better seeing that. but it, And also the fact that she was taking a break from filming for a year, I felt like they had a more of a fighting shot. Yeah, that's good. And it makes sense that she'd stay in London because she travels for work anyway, but mm-hmm. he actually owns a business there. Right. Because at first I was like, she must have a much nicer house than he does. <laughs> True. But if either of them, I mean, he's way more anchored to London than she is to LA or New York or wherever yeah, else she spent that. time during the filming. Of the movie. I wonder so. if they kicked out the roommate. No, nah, he seems to be like an integral part. Well, I, I guess maybe he moves in with uh, Hugh Grant's sister. Yeah. What's her name? The sister. I don't remember. Uh, honey. I buy it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was honey. So uh, one, one other thing. Yeah, it was honey. 
the roommate is uh, Reese Ephens or Reese of fans. I don't know. It's Welsh. I've heard it <laughs> a billion different ways. And I really did try to find out before we started the podcast. Uh, no one can agree, at least not on Reddit, but what else is new? Um, he's a uh, star of the most successful movie the last couple of years. Of course, he's the lizard in Spider-Man No Way Home. But uh, back in the 90s, he was basically British Chris Elliott, just playing the weirdo gross guy. <laughs> Um, besides Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant as Anna and William, the two main stars, there is kind of a big cast. Uh, what'd you guys think about the sort of, uh, friend group? Because that's not something that you see a lot in these movies. There's usually like a best friend character, right? but there was kind of, I think like a pretty believable ish friend group, even though they have different jobs and are perhaps from a different social strata. Yeah, I liked them. I, um, I'm struggling to remember their names, um, but the friend that he was in love with, Bella, is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was like a nice little tidbit that, you know, he, they had this kind of love triangle beginning. Um, I thought the friends kind of kept, kept it real um, and were kind of gave a nice family structure to the movie. They were like Um, clearly very close. It felt like their presence was pretty subtle. Like, I, I guess I don't know. I don't know how these movies work formulaically, but I feel like sometimes there's sides plots and mm-hmm. there was not really a side plot. Uh, and they, yeah, they were kind of just there to like provide really just to reinforce the sense of Anna's fame. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was like a main purpose. Yeah. Honey's like fangirling was a great, little tidbit. Yeah. Especially that first dinner. That's honey's birthday party where they first meet Anna. That's there's definitely a sense of that happening. Mm-hmm. I like that. They all call her out for trying to get the brownie. Yes. In that, that, that scene. Cause I thought like it could play it pretty treacly and pretty, um, maudlin and be like, Oh, well she's obviously the most put upon, but they're all just like, no, right. <laughs> <laughs> no way. Yeah. That was cute. That was cute. Uh, I feel like the classic formula for so, okay, let me let me back up for a yeah. second. First of all, here are some of my thoughts. One, rom-com. Was it, was there actually romance? Was there actually comedy? I answer. What, what else is there? <laughs> I don't know if there was either. I feel like it was only a rom-com in a really superficial level. Because one, I don't. I, okay, I guess like humor is in the eye of the beholder. It's like pretty dry, maybe British humor, and I am very particular about humor. It's humor. very British, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't really find it funny. Like, can you? I can't even picture someone like in the horse and hounds interview scene, like actually laughing. Maybe, maybe back in 1999, people laughed at things like that. I don't know. <laughs> I thought that. I thought it was I like, like cute. Scene. I did like a. I had like chuckled throughout. And um, but okay, so the but the. The rom-com structure to me seems very often, if not always, to be like, okay, guy meets girl, like if most of them are, you know, opposite sex, heterosexual couples, Um, they fall in love under false pretenses. Then there's some like uh, discord. It seems like it's not going to work out Mm -hmm. Then something happens and then it works out at the end. And I feel like you didn't get that whatsoever in this movie. Really? If, you, well, there were no, there were no false pretenses. She was, and there was like no. Okay, yeah, no. He, I mean, he knows who she is. Yeah, he knows who she from is. The beginning, yeah. He thought she was single, so there's that. I mean, there is that. that okay, is, that is <laughs> well, a pretty maybe, big swerve. 
Yeah, let me think about it. That's interesting. Okay, so maybe the false pretenses was yeah. that she's actually and, that, and that's their first coming apart, and that's about an hour into the movie. Yeah, and it, I don't know. It just it seems like too realistic and like too negative. Uh, yeah, <laughs> compared I, to other Rob Cobbs. Thinking through this, I think what I what I found unsettling, like just for as part of. In, in the context of this being a rom-com was that there were two loops like that. There was like the boyfriend thing and then there was the paparazzi thing. So like yeah. one breakup, I can like get behind the couple and rally for them to get back together. Yeah. But the second time I was like, oh man, you were having an affair and now you're freaking out about the paparazzi. Like, come on. And on, to- on top of that, there is no, like in the typical formula, there's like a mending that shows like personal transformation and like actual like, um, show the the character like in their humanity and like at their best, and you don't get that from Julia Roberts. Like it's basically all her megalomania as as an actor. Yeah, I think that's what. Um, there's a couple of interesting things that you hit on. I want to get back to, but firstly, just taking that, I, I guess that's what functionally the bookstore scene with the, with the famous line in it is supposed to be, but you're totally right. I think that I've, I've definitely picked up on that too, that I don't want to say like, we've done a couple movies this month that were written by women. And I think it would have been different if it's very clearly like from a dude's perspective, she's just kind of flitting around the edges and you're just in Hugh Grant's mindset and you know, his internal life pretty well throughout the movie, Mm -hmm. but you don't get really get anything from her. She's just kind of there Anytime she like kisses him or wants to go out with him, it's like surprising. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're like, okay, that's not the vibe I was getting from you at all. Um, so yeah. I definitely think that's there. And one interesting thing that you hit on earlier was that this is one of the things my sister said was, because uh, I've been trying to work in stuff, feedback from her on these movies that she really likes throughout the month. This is uh, a lot more grounded than a lot of other rom-coms in the sense that it is not so heightened. There's not like a zaniness or like a farce going on. Like there isn't a lot of other rom-coms. Like you said, no one's pretending to be something that they're not really. Mm -hmm. Someone's pretending to be single and they're not. But that's normal. But that's pretty normal. But that's like a real life thing. She wasn't even really pretending. She she never said she was. She just like didn't say that she wasn't. Right. (laughs) But you make some good points. Like I, one of the feelings I walked away with was that I didn't like her character. Um, but it, yeah, we don't know her, right? Like we don't, we don't know what was going on in that relationship with. You, with you get Alec that. Baldwin. You get that she's really lonely. Right. I think you get that she's really lonely mm-hmm. and really doesn't super like what she has to do to maintain. Yep. Her life. Right. Right. Yeah. But I wish we did get to know like her inner life a bit more. Yeah. But it, yeah, I think. Ben, that's a good point around like the gender of the screenwriter. And not only that, I mean, yeah, but not only that was that he said it was based on a real life experience he had. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, f- I feel like this is like nerd boy fantasy. Um, and it only, it's a, it's a fairy tale. Yeah. And it, yeah. O- it only makes sense with like, if she wasn't like rich and famous and beautiful, um, like it doesn't, it doesn't make like her, she has no appeal. Yeah. Um, and all it's also kind of like an inversion of the typical gender dynamics because like like she she has all the power she has like this like um appeal in these like superficial ways non non emotional or like not personality related so. yeah yeah she sets all the terms the whole time that that's that's so right um 
yeah, I wonder if she's, uh, I guess it's almost a chicken and an egg thing. From all we can tell, if she wasn't rich and famous, she'd be a much more normal person. Uh, without the chin job. <laughs> yeah, without the, without the chin and nose job. Right. Um, <laughs> but that was fun. But I, overall, I like that it's her commenting on being probably the most famous person in in movies at the time that this movie was made. It's obviously commenting on that, but it's uh, taken out of that context as it is now. It must have been like really fun for people at the time to be like, whoa, she's like playing herself. And then yeah. in Ocean's 12, she literally plays herself for one scene, which is very fun. But yeah, I just, uh, I guess it's a good time to mention this is written by Richard Curtis. He's coming off of a really hot streak as far as being like the go-to British guy writing stuff that gets kind of big in America. In 1994, he does Four Weddings and a Funeral, which is Hugh Grant's huge breakout. That is a phrase that uh, I think Greg used in the last episode, comparing music and lyrics, which is another Hugh Grant movie, to Sleepless in Seattle. Sleepless in Seattle is a little more rom than calm. Using a lyrics is a little more calm than rom. Uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral is almost entirely rom. A little bit of calm. <laughs> and he kind of uh, develops over time. So that's 94. That's Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant does Curtis's words really well. There's probably a more elegant way to say that, but I guess I'm not Richard Curtis. Uh, he follows this up with Bridges, Bridget Jones's Diary, and then he writes and directs Love Actually. Then does the Bridget Jones sequel, the Mr. Bean sequel, and some other stuff. Uh, he goes back to mostly writing. He has a story by credit on the sequel to Mamma Mia. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel to Mamma Mia. And then uh, most recently he wrote Yesterday, as far as his films, at least that's his most recent thing. All that being said, um, a lot of rom-coms in there, a lot of kind of earnest stuff, a few collaborations with Hugh Grant. Uh, I think Hugh Grant does is really good in this movie agree yeah you can you can tell that this is written for him yeah i don't know if that's what richard curtis had in mind but it's clearly he they'd already worked together before and uh he 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 can deliver it um which is to say some some of the words sound kind of weird coming from other people i don't think richard curtis can write american that well because some of Julia Roberts' lines are kind of like, I don't think a person like her would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, just like word choice, not even like sentiment. But, but I think Hugh Grant's really good in this. Yeah, yeah, he was excellent. I agree. Um, yeah, I know I liked him. I I thought he was a fun character. Um, I agree with you that we kind of got to know a lot about his internal life. Um, and I just liked the life he set up for himself there. You know, I thought it was like a charming little little setup for him. Um, and I loved, loved the roommate. I loved his relationship with the roommate. It was like not clear, like probably they lived together for financial reasons, but like they seemed to have this kind of like familial deal with each other, even though they were driving each other bonkers thing going on. Yeah. Um, which was kind of, I don't know his relationship with lots of people in the movie. His mom clearly drove him nuts and he, you know, he was just kind of yeah. Jovial, but real about the whole thing. Yeah, I think um, that's a good point. He did have like a, a pretty realistic bro-ish type relationship with Spike. That's who he goes to Spike. when he's like, 
when he's really down, even though Spike doesn't really help that much. No, Spike just makes yeah. the paparazzi show up. Yeah. <laughs> though Spike is ultimately one of the one of the biggest boosters with him and Julie Roberts getting together. I guess. Totally. Yeah. Ultimately. Uh, yeah. What does he call him? A daft prick or something? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was somewhat re- reminiscent. I don't know if y'all either of you know Peep Show. Like, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, like the like Jez and, and Mark situation. Yeah. It's just so British. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the his his t-shirt collection I think was one of my favorite parts of Spike. Yeah, and it's just, just always like, you know, it's very basic comedy rule of threes stuff. You're like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The third one's gonna be even funnier. And then it's like, uh, it seems okay. And then he turns around and it's just fancy a fuck. Loved it. I want it. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's that's a shirt that you'd see around in London. I, I bet a lot back you should after get, this movie came out. <laughs> probably. You should get late to the movies t-shirts that say fancy a fuck on the back of them. I got to check the terms of, you know, I wonder. On Public, Yeah. Yeah. I you can, you can. can do whatever you want on Public. Yeah. They don't care. I put Greg's face on a shirt. You can go that's buy true. it right now. That's so explicit compared to fancy a fuck. Yeah. yeah. It's basically the same sentiment. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I don't know Greg well enough to say that. <laughs> yeah, but but it had the cadence of a joke, so you can laugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have similar last names. <laughs> I like some of the 90s nostalgia and like how even some of the plot points required it to be the 90s. So one, the fact that you could have a bookstore that only sells travel books. Interesting. And may, like maybe it's failing because there's start, starting to be internet competition, although that's not clear. And maybe it's a little bit early for, for that to happen. I don't think there must be a handful of bookstores that only have travel books. But like even being a bookstore these days, mm-hmm. brick and mortar bookstore is hard enough. Oh, yeah. It's, it's near impossible. And then, and then the f- leaving messages with, <laughs> uh, on the house phone with the roommate. Yeah. Uh, and that like being an issue. It's like, okay. Yeah. Friends got a lot of comedy out of that too. Right. You know, that's, that's just the thing. Even new girl did. And that was, you know, only came out in the last few years. Yeah. Were th- was there not voicemail in 99? I don't even remember. No, there was. There, no, there, there, was. there were answering machines, but like if, if someone picked up the phone. Yeah. They oh, would, right. Like, write yeah, the yeah, message. Yeah. Because it was like a communal event. Right. And that yeah. makes sense. You remember? There's just the one phone. And there were <laughs> voicemail. Um, there were answering machines that were like actually machines. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. I remember. You're, you're a youngin. You want to remember, Kate? I remember. <laughs> we had one. Yeah. That's that's definitely one thing that we haven't talked about too much in the, well, there's no rom-coms anymore. It's mostly like an industry thing. Big studios only make stuff that's going to make a billion dollars, even if it costs $250 million. They'd rather do that than pay 15 million for something that only make 90 million. Right. Um, but also I think they're hard, they're harder to write now just because of cell phones, right? Because most rom-coms have some kind of big gesture at the end. Someone is catching someone at the airport. Mm -hmm. Someone is trying to get a message to someone before they leave London, like in this movie. Mm -hmm. And if you could just text someone, (laughs) (laughs) it's ruined the grand gesture. Yeah. You'd be like, Hey, I I really need to talk to you before you leave. And then you're just like, all right, I'm not going to go. That's true. Yeah. There's no running through the terminal. You literally can't do that anymore. You'd be arrested. (laughs) TSA tackles you. You'd need to buy a ticket and then (laughs) go through. I heard there were some rom-coms that came out recently though. 
Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I think on streaming on Amazon, there's I Want You Back. And that I haven't seen yet. And then um, I think on Peacock is Marry Me, the J-Lo, Owen Wilson, accidental, they're, now they're married movie. Never heard of this, and, which is shocking. With uh, there's background. trailers for it. I think it might also be in movie theaters. And if not, I'll cut that part out. Um, <laughs> but I know it's on Peacock and um, that's... So many streaming services. A- accidentally so f- married. Is that like drunk? Or? Based on the trailer, I haven't seen it yet. Um, J-Lo is a uh, a pop star mm-hmm. and she's on stage and here in her like uh, pop starlet fiance, they're going to get married at their concert on stage. Mm-hmm. And then right as she's getting ready to go out, uh, like a TMZ video leaks of he's like in a hotel room with some other girl or whatever. And uh, she still does the show anyway because she's a consummate professional, I guess. They don't explain it. This is just the trailer. And uh, so she comes out and Owen Wilson is gone because his daughter's a huge fan and he's friends with, I guess, Sarah Silverman. So she's there too. And someone goes to the bathroom and is like, hey, hold my sign while I go to the bathroom. And um, his sign says, marry me. And uh, she looks out and she sees him holding a sign that says, marry me. And she says, okay. So... Wow. And it seems like that's how the movie starts. And then it's like, well, we have to pretend to be married because it's like way too embarrassing if we just like get it annulled uh, for her. So, I mean, uh, some of the same dynamics certainly at work as there are in this movie. Yeah. Famous wife. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, those are the couple rom-coms that came out recently. And like they're just, you know, directly on streaming. Like you can go to the movies and see one of them, but you can also just be a Comcast customer and it's on your computer. So... It's uh, it's just not really supported anymore. You got to have big monsters smashing into each other, or yeah. someone in space. Yeah, I I miss his kind of mundane, yeah, simpler movies. Just like mid level kind of stuff. Not that it's not necessarily in quality, but just in like budget terms, literally like mid budget movies don't really exist anymore. Right, right. You get small indies, and then there's a lot more mumbling and less stars, and mm-hmm. it's not as funny and. She uh, she did make fifteen million dollars for this movie. Yeah, I think. yeah. Wait, no, she, that, fun so facts that was from the, Justin. That was on the IMDb trivia. So when she's asked by the friends, when um, Anna Scott, the character, as Anna Scott, like yeah. how much how much did you make for your last movie? That so the, this friend didn't know that she was famous. Um, yeah, she, the stockbroker. Yeah, yeah Bernie. Um, and she says $15 million. And then according to IMDb, that's how much she was. Uh, Julia Roberts was actually paid for this movie. That's really fun. It's, yeah. It's a kind of movie where like all the money goes to the, the two main stars. I feel like. Yeah. I think the, a lot of the supporting characters, uh, Alec Baldwin isn't even credited in this, but besides him, there's not really like people that you super recognize. I mean, I mentioned, uh, Reese Eifens and, it's Ethan. It could be. Yeah, it could be. The Reddit says either. Um, there's no way to be correct. Uh, the guy who like st- stuffs the book down his pants. I should mention he's in another show that uh, another movie that we did. He's in really? Shaun of the Dead. Wow. Yeah, he's the friend who has a crush on Sean's ex-girlfriend in that movie. Huh. Yeah. Um, oh, you also, Justin also noticed that her name is Anna Scott, right? And it's- Yes. First name woman's first name last name man's first name scott Robert. anna scott julie roberts could, could have gone oh, with, with anna scott's but that would have been too much that would have been weird yeah um 
It's also, speaking of like being able to be made today, it's very like white, straight, uh, cisgender. Um, every, yeah, everything about it is very vanilla in that way. And, and that's like like a little too boring for 2022. There's one character with a disability. That's their. That's true. That's yeah, their. Uh, true. I, yeah, I think there's like three people of color who have a line in the movie. I can't even uh, picture. Out of like a big, the concierge at the hotel who they kiss, mm-hmm. um, the security guard who tells him he can't go in, but then he lets him in to the uh, movie set, and Clark Peters from The Wire, who's one of the actors who uh, is interviewed. It, it, uh, yeah, it feels like there's so minor role. It's like very like oh yeah, it's like, it's like one or ni- two lines. It's like <laughs> '90s racism where it's like tokenism without, um, is you know they're like checking the box without right. having to do anything. Yeah, substantive. it's uh, yeah, and then on top of just being a '90s movie featuring just like famous people and being a rom com, it's also set in Britain, so it's even yeah. it's even wider. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. So aside from her character, what do you guys think of Julia Roberts in this movie? I thought she was great. I think she did a great job, yeah. like being Anna Scott, probably feeling Anna Scott. Yeah, it was too. It was too easy for her. I don't even know how to evaluate <laughs> it because if she's just like, if that's just who she is, then like, that's cool. <laughs> she, I, yeah, I think she did. She did a good job delivering the lines. I agree with you, Ben, that some of the writing on for her lines is a bit clumsy, um, but she was convincing. Like I said, she's just huge at this point. She did a couple years before that was My Best Friend's Wedding. Uh, Notting Hill's the same year as Runaway Bride. And the next year, 2000s, Aaron Brockovich. That's when she wins her Best Actress Award at the Academy. Mm-hmm. Awards. Uh, Ocean's movies come after that. And then, you know, she just continues being being in movies and shit. She hasn't done a ton recently. She's not, like, fully retired, but she hasn't done a ton but uh, later, I think in October of this year, she's in a movie called Ticket to Paradise. Really? That uh, also co-stars George Clooney, her and George Clooney back together again. Cool. You know, the, uh, I think, not since the Oceans movies. I could be forgetting something. Uh, but yeah, I think she's really good in this. But it's the same thing in, with in Sleepless in Seattle. We talked about Meg Ryan's insane, but like you understand why Tom Hanks would be attracted to her. Right, right. Yeah. So same, same vibe. Right? Yeah. It's like, she's being really weird and kind of cr- randomly cruel. Um, but like, I guess I understand Hugh Grit for some reason does not have much else going on in his life. Yeah. He seems real bored. Despite he is like being... the sad sack of his friend group. Right. Despite being 1999 divorce. Hugh Grant. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, he's a babe. Um, the o- owning divorce. a specialty bookstore in That's like a cool neighborhood. It's failing. It's failing, but he still owns a specialty bookstore. Right. And looks like 1999 Hugh Grant. Right. <laughs> Just like an absolute. And it's like friends have to like drag women kicking and screaming to like be set up with him and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Which he does not appreciate. <laughs> no, he, <doesn't. laughs> he does not. Oh, the gift. Yeah. That's um, when she gives him the painting. It's like that was that as a moment that is supposed to be like redeeming for her yeah. was hilarious yeah because it doesn't show absolutely any any like transformation of character it's like it's like she oh she's gonna throw money at him yeah it's like a million dollar painting probably you know uh yeah i think the estimates between 500k and a million read the uh, same wikipedia fact <laughs> <laughs> this is independent research um yeah i uh 
I like that it doesn't really do anything for him. No, yeah. he's like just sitting in the corner. No, like is that the original? It's like I think so. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but they they chose the painting because it was like a woman in longing. Mm. Turns out. Turns out. <laughs> Anna can relate. Anna can relate. I like the painting. I thought it was a good choice. Yeah. Of of for the movie, not a good choice on Anna's part. Uh, what's love without a goat playing the flute? Is that yeah, the line? Is yeah. that the line? <laughs> the I think it looks like a cello. I'm looking at it right now. Uh well, violin is what they said in the, the violin. movie. Violin. Mm. Yeah, I, they may be wrong, but that's what the, the maybe the a viola. Classic It could be a viola. Yeah, it could be a viola. <laughs> uh, what other stringed instruments do we know? It could be a. It could be an upright <laughs> bass. Up nice. Yeah. Mandolin. It could be a mandolin. <laughs> uh, it might have been a lute. <laughs> a lute. Wow. Yeah. I played violin. Sitar. <laughs> How were you? I was very bad. I used to yeah, pretend. Yeah, that happens when you just start playing violin. <laughs> right. I used to pretend I never practiced, and I used to like not actually touch the strings with my bow. Yeah. And I used to have nightmares that everyone else was actually doing the same thing and that <laughs> concert day would come and none of us That'd be would amazing. be playing any music. That has to have happened at some point. <laughs> right. Or that like it's clear that only two of like seven people are actually playing. <laughs> right. I used to, yeah, I used to just like kind of graze the <laughs> strings. It's not, it was not great. Um, can we talk about the nudes? Yeah. Um, I thought that it was hilarious uh, in very 90s that it was such a big deal that she had nudes that came out. Oh, yeah. Like, big enough that she had to hide. And now, like, not a big deal, you know. Yeah, and, one I mean, one thing that they do kind of point out is that the British tabloids are insane. Yeah. Are are really, really aggressive. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think, like, what do you think the fallout would be today? Because... He basically says like, yeah, it's like one bad day in the news. And she's like, no, this is going to follow me forever. Yeah, I feel it's like, like it's I don't know. not even like a a bad day in the news anymore. I think it's like a like Jennifer Lawrence had well, nudes. Yeah, like- no, this is actually this is actually interesting because it relates to something I was talking about um, with my sister because she watches things on on TV and I don't. But apparently a documentary on. Uh, Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee Jones and the sex tape leaking beca- uh, recently came out. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it has to do with the historical moments of uh, like it was the first one of its genre because n- you can't get a real professional distributor. So it had to be distributed on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was like early, like th- there was like late 90s. So only then could it happen. And that created a mold where people realized they could become famous by releasing sex tapes. See, uh, also Kim Kardashian. Exactly. Yeah. Or no, before before her, pa- Paris, who who right. was Kim Kardashian was her her protege. Mm-hmm. So it's become a cultural form to get famous, but that was only enabled by in- the internet and couldn't have happened uh, at the time of the conceptualization of this mm-hmm. screenplay. Mm-hmm. I submit. <laughs> yeah. So that's on Hulu. I think it's called Pam and Tommy, and it's. Uh, it's it's a mini series. Um, Lily James stars as Pamela Anderson in that, and uh, Sebastian Stan is Tommy. They look a uh, weird amount like them. I don't know. Considering Lily James is a British lady, that sounds good. I have to watch it. Yeah, it's it's weird because they didn't get 
Pam Anderson on board. She just like does not want to revisit this period of her life. Understandably, I guess. I mean, I guess that could be projecting. Maybe she just doesn't give a shit. Um, but they were like reaching out to her to get her involved or, you know, probably throw a producer credit or something. So they wouldn't be able to be like called out on. It's about this woman being horribly exploited. And now they're just doing the story without her sign on. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, gross. kind of weird, but apparently they handle it with a lot of empathy. So I guess there's both sides sort of that you can make of that argument. I haven't seen it yet. So grain of salt. I don't, I don't, I don't know how they handle it. I like Lily James and Sebastian Stan. So. I'll have to check it out. She's busy doing stuff like with PETA, right? Isn't that she her whole be. shtick now? It could be. Yeah. I, don't, I, I, don't <laughs> I didn't. Uh, yeah. I don't have anything on, on what she's doing these days. <laughs> I have no, that was years ago, but she, she was into PETA for a time. Sure. Yeah. Noted vegetarian. Okay. <laughs> okay. Henry James scene. It was a nice little, you know, you felt like he, that, that Will felt that she was doing it kind of because he told her she should do a Henry James piece. So it felt like there was going to be a special little moment there. And then, so yeah, actually earlier I had said there were kind of two FUs. There was like the, she has a boyfriend. There was the paparazzi moment. There was also this moment where she like dismisses him to her co-star in that, which was a bummer. And he overhears, little does she know, because yeah. of the Mike situation. That was a bummer. So you're like, oh, kind of cute. She's just like, repeatedly an asshole to him. <laughs> she is repeatedly an asshole. But yeah. It was fun to see the whole period piece put together. Yeah, I thought they were going to do a thing of like, oh, look, I'm doing a movie with horses, but they don't. Same. They don't and do hounds. That. Same. Yeah, they no hounds. I know. I saw the horse and I was like, horse and hound. Yeah, yeah it seems yeah. like, oh, she like he made an impression on her and she's like, oh, I guess I'll do a movie with horses. He didn't actually care about horses, so I guess it would have been a fairly empty gesture, but. Uh, yeah, um, no, but he, did, but he did tell her she should do a Henry James movie. He did, yeah. So I thought that was all part of it, but I think this is. One thing that I did want to talk about, the movie really doesn't underline or ha- hang a lampshade on too many things that other movies of its ilk probably would. A lot of time passes and you only get from context how much time has passed. The first time when she says like, oh, it's, you know, sorry, it's been a couple months. Mm-hmm. I haven't reached out. And then after they come apart the second time, about an hour and a half in the movie, um, there's that pretty cool sequence where he walks through Notting Hill and the seasons change and just like one continuous motion shot. That is cool. And then, and then later he's like, Oh, it's been six months. Mm -hmm. So I like that. There's not a thing that says six months later. Right. Um, and I think some of the emotional beats also play out like that. So yeah, the fact that she's doing a Henry James movie, I think is implying that that is, part of it but in other movies they would be like a big thing and it's just not here right just yes. like the painting it's not played as like an emotional moment he's just like okay yeah thanks the, for yeah, the painting i think he even says like i don't know don't know why what i did to get this painting but thank you <laughs> yeah there was there was a lot of subtlety around things like that yeah but not enough horse and hound no if you're gonna go horse and hounds you better go all in <laughs> yeah that's what i always say that's sort of like our tagline mm-hmm. it is a real magazine it is, and yep. it has a circulation of approximately 6,000 readers, I think. That is small for print. Yeah, but like, who's reading Horse and Hound magazine? Is it about horses and hounds? Yes, and hounds. <laughs> is, it like a, is it like a hunting like, thing? Yes, like okay. hunting dogs, I think. Okay. 
Got it. That makes sense. The premier equestrian journalist is, oh, oh it's you're on a horse hunting the dog. Are you, you hunting you horses? Hunt no. Oh, no, no, no. You're no, on dog, a horse. The, the dogs, dogs help you hunt. Yeah. Okay, okay. I don't know anything about hunting because, like Pamela Anderson, they, I'm a yeah, vegetarian. Yeah. <laughs> they love, especially fox hunting in England. Yeah. It's like a very aristocratic thing. And it's, uh, I think most British people are opposed to it because obviously foxes are really cute. Um, but it's like like a big Tory thing. It's like they're going to support, it's like, because it's like a class politics kind of thing. They're going to support. Uh, fox hunting because that's like the traditional activity of the British elite. The fact that dogs are helping you hunt foxes seems sad and cannibalistic. Oh, yeah. and, and there's almost. various it's what kinds. they're it's what they're made for. There's, in a very there's various kinds. Yeah, they bred it for that. There's very they have various roles. Like I growing up, I had a Norwich Terrier, and one of its and it's a it's a an English breed. Mm-hmm. One of its traditional roles, other than chasing rats around was um, following foxes down the foxholes and they crop their tails, dock their tails. And then you, because they would be pulled, they would be put in the saddle. They were small enough to be in the saddlebags and then they would drop them and then they would chase the foxes into the foxhole and then they would grab their little um, crop tails to take them out of the hole and then they would get the fox out. It sounds like you should write for Horse and Hound magazine. Yeah, I mean, I I am actually a journalist with Horse and Hound magazine. <laughs> you and you and Grant have that in common. Yeah, we're a real William, a real William Thacker. <laughs> yep. I feel like a lot of cartoons. There's fox hunting with dogs and on horseback and stuff. I think Mary Poppins has a sequence with fox hunting. That tracks. I haven't seen yeah. Mary Poppins since I was like. Seven. Could be confusing it with bed knobs and broomsticks, but um, same stuff. Same stuff. There's an old British lady. <laughs> She's vaguely magic. <laughs> so this movie comes out in May of 1999. Now a time to release blockbusters. Not necessarily back then. Uh, but it was very well received by critics and became the highest grossing British film of all time. It was nominated for the Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy. And Julia Roberts and Hugh Grant also got nominations for their performances at the Golden Globes. It got two BAFTA nominations. It won a British Comedy Award and a Brit Award for the soundtrack. I thought the soundtrack was straight up bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I read that and I was like, what what was the soundtrack of but this The movie? soundtrack was, um, I'm, I'm looking for the word, it's antiquated. It's like a little out of date. It was much older than it should have been, I feel like. Mm-hmm. It was had like Elvis songs on it, and it's like that's not what like you you want something more nineties ish, I think. But maybe that's what British people are into. I don't know. Yeah, who knows the British? They're people. A little behind the times. I would like would to make. Been, I guess the Spice Girls would have been the. <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah, a little like. If you want to be my love, <laughs> I'd like to make a correction. The circulation of Horse and Hounds, which I said was six thousand, was actually forty five thousand. Oh, much better. And that's from twenty fourteen though, so it may um, have dwindled since. Or they do increased. have a web presence. Nice. They have increased. A lot of people get into weird shit during this pandemic. True. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Um, they also they filmed this in the streets, the sh- like the street scenes in Notting Hill on location. Yeah. Yes, that and must they, have been difficult. They, <laughs> yeah, they were worried about it, right? Because these are two super famous people, but they. Um, it was on a street in Notting Hill called Portobello Road, which I thought was the cutest name. Little Mushroom Street. Like mushroom. Little Mushroom Street would have been an even cuter name. <laughs> That's, I think, true. But. I agree. That's true. 
I want to go visit it. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I, it definitely was worth it to film on location because you get a real sense of place mm-hmm. on those. Uh, I th- I think especially the shots of him walking down the street, which ha- which recurs a couple times, but especially that time where the seasons are changing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the opening sequence of him, you know, narrating and and showing his neighborhood also like you got to know his life really quickly um, yeah. through that neighborhood, which is, which is sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's an opening narration that doesn't come back, right? That's the only part that's has a narration. It's a good mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Yeah. It had a v- very much a vibe of like a movie that was adapted from a one man show. <laughs> yes. Because he's yeah. like, and, and here's the roommate and he's always doing this thing. Yeah. And here's my street. <laughs> and it's always like this. <laughs> this is my neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> it's quirky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not much, but we love it. You know, that kind of like one man <laughs> yeah. show vibe. And then they just drop it, which I like because I hate narration. But yeah, um, yeah, it was just cool. I, I really like Hugh Grant in this. He's very good. Yes. Um, I probably, Four Weddings and Funeral is still my, my top pick for him, but this is this is solid. So. They made a series. Of not Four Weddings and a Funeral. Oh, okay. Yeah. Is it five episodes long? Um. I don't remember. Missed opportunity if not. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. It's it's not the same cast at all. Um, it's a Hulu original, and yeah. I watched it. I, Hugh Grant's pretty old now, so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, yeah, I watched it. I have a tendency to like like TV shows a lot and then forget everything about them, but I remember it being very good. <laughs> was created by Mindy Kaling, so there you go. Interesting. And just like that. And just, and just like, like that. that. I thought some of the direction, we, we already talked about the sequence on him walking through and the seasons changing. Uh, I thought the direction was a little bit elevated from where it would necessarily uh, have had to been. We Some of the movies we've watched don't always have the most inspired stuff. And, and this is directed by Roger Mitchell, who doesn't get as much credit for it as um, Richard Curtis does. But that sequence I like a lot. Then the way the camera moves where he is kind of being passively confronted by his friends after turning down Anna yes. in the bookstore and the part where he's sort of figuring it out just by talking it out loud and his friends aren't really jumping in, but the camera moves behind them. And so you have the constant sense of everyone just like looking at him as he's like talking out loud, like, wow, I really, really made the wrong choice here. Really was a daft prick, but yes, yeah, that was, yeah, that was a good choice. Um, that I didn't I didn't put it together that, that was the bookstore. Was it empty? No, I think that was at the restaurant of the friend right, who okay. doesn't get to go to the parties, but they do eat at his place. I know. That was like <laughs> I was me. like, oh, you have another friend who has a yeah, failing restaurant. I think <laughs> he only comes in, he's only in like the second hour of the movie. And they're, they're all like, downwardly mobile, but like started out wealthy. Interesting. You notice that? Again, <laughs> More, everyone's class business class is failing. Yeah. yeah. The only the only the only one who's doing well economically is Julia Roberts. Yeah, I think Anna's going to fund all of their lives now. Um, I also thought there was great mise-en-scene. Sure. I don't know what that means. <laughs> but uh, Literally just everything in front of the camera. Yeah. So all the pieces matter, right? So if there's uh, something in the background, it informs the, the movie. You know. Exactly. Their apartment, how messy it is, all the food they have everywhere and crap like that. Or the painting. Good mise-en-scene. Good. It's real good. <laughs> yeah, I liked I liked that he had to like quickly 
put away his mess. And it was like yeah. very ineffective. I, I've had, yeah, I feel like I've been there before. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we've all been there. We've all been there. And just start piling stuff up. And like, if I push it all on top of each other yeah. in the corner, I guess it's better. <laughs> it's just in like, fact, that's my messy corner. In <laughs> fact, that was the only relatable part of the whole movie for me. Oh. <laughs> um, but it was very relatable. You also have a failing bookstore. True. <laughs> that's true. Um, I was going to make a fun joke about Alec Baldwin. I was like, oh, I don't think we can joke about Alec Baldwin anymore. Yeah. yeah. That was like a great, I I know he wasn't credited, borderline cameo of, with him as the famous boyfriend. Yeah, I like that he doesn't really come back again, but it's just like, you just totally get like, oh yeah, this guy's a prick. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they like called him and they were like, hey, Alec, can you just like come by this afternoon and be an annoying boyfriend? Like yeah. uh, that was the vibe. How could he role. not be credited though? How does that even work? Uh, so they don't have to pay him as much. Mm. If he just wanted to do it to do it, then he can be like, yeah, don't credit me. And then, you know, yeah. he doesn't have to, they don't have to pay him. <laughs> That's interesting. I, yeah. I didn't realize there was a financial aspect. The way, the way people are credited is all based on the guilds ah. and stuff. And that's why sometimes people have a ampersand. Sometimes people have the word and it's, it's all has to do with it with guilds. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. It's all labor stuff. <laughs> mm. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, and then he's, you know, more famous than 90% of the people in the movie. So. Right. Right. I just, oh yeah. And then he made some comment. About and his, his existence is kind of a twist. So if he was on, if his name was on the poster for the whole first hour of the movie, you're going, where's, where's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's, That's a very yeah. good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that, like his, his, um, shittiness was underscored by the fact that he told her not to order too much room service. He's like, I don't, I don't want to be that famous actor with the fat girlfriend or something. Mm, yeah. and, and that was like, I mean, nail in the coffin on, on him being a complete jerk, but yeah, it's not good. Good. Good on Hugh Grant. Just taking all the trash. The, yeah. That was great. <laughs> it's just like, Oh, he really loves her to like, I would have not been able to keep my composure at that point. He's just so cool, though. He's so cool. No, he's a cock. <laughs> well, that too. Well, he's playing it cool because move. he can't do anything else. Yeah. Yeah, he could have been like, yo. He doesn't necessarily play it cool either, but he's just sort of like, well, you know. Well, hey. I mean, cool enough. Like, I would have been like, but we just had sex, you yeah, know. I'm, I'm, I'm ter- terribly sorry, but uh, I guess I'll, I guess I'll take this. Just take your trash. I suppose I should go. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. God. Did we? Did they have sex before that? No. Nope. No. No. They just no. Smooched. Well, and that's why then, like a couple months go by, and you're like, okay, I guess then. Yeah, they just like smooched, and it had been kind of spontaneous, and mm-hmm. whatever. So you you get them not necessarily reaching out. Right. So big picture. Uh, Rom com month coming to a close. We have been talking somewhat formulaically. About these movies, there's, uh, we already talked about it even in this episode, so we don't have to revisit it too much, but you know, there seems like it's all going to work out, then it doesn't. That actually happens twice in this movie. (laughs) And then there's a a grand gesture at the end after after a a mad dash to get to somewhere on time. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any get to an airport on time, though Sleepless in Seattle does have some airport business in it. Um, The Ritz. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is at the... Savoy. Eventually. After the Ritz. After the Ritz. Yeah. 
I like that scene, the kind of kinetic energy of yes. a decision's been made and the whole crew's going to go. And uh, Spike has to basically s- sacrifice himself. Right. He still makes it there in time for bit the end, though. Good for him. Gets either. to smooch honey. Super yeah. sweaty. So I guess the implication is he sprinted the rest of right. the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. What do you guys think about this in terms of like a romantic comedy? I, I agree with Justin's assessment that it wasn't like very romantic throughout. Yeah, I guess the the like double it doesn't work out thing was was a bit of a a, a different twist for me. Um, triple, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. triple. Mm. And the, and the no. Oh yeah, well when he straight up says no to her, so right. yeah, that right. yeah. definitely counts. And like <laughs> like redemption without transformation is it's that's mm-hmm. troubling. Mm-hmm. Well, people don't really change, right? This is like we said, a little more grounded than some of the other stuff. And I guess the argument is just like. You know, maybe just adjust your attitude a little bit and be cool with what this person's done. <laughs> yeah, just make babies. Um, so yeah, I think it w- it was more grounded than most romantic comedies, um, and in that way, it probably felt less romantic, maybe even less like classically funny. Um, but despite it, you know, the unlikely premise of these two people being together was more realistic. Yeah, like if they were together, she would actually have a personality disorder, and he would actually <laughs> tolerate it because of the incredible like power imbalance um so it is pretty realistic in a, in a way but not in a good way <laughs> and yeah there was again yeah there's that moment at the end where he he goes home from the set and he's like oh my god he's finally set a boundary for himself mm-hmm. and I'm like oh wait maybe they maybe they don't end up together this is good but no that was like three seconds long it's a tease yeah <laughs> a boundary setting tease right because he that's like the one boundary he tries to set, but then she just goes to his place of business and demands to see him. Right, right. And he says <laughs> Straight no. Straight up asks for the manager. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he says no, but um, but yeah, it was interesting. I, I like to think he ended up with her because he couldn't stop thinking about her, not because, you know, it, when Spike says, like, you made a mistake or whatever, I don't think that's what Spike had in mind. I think he was like... Man, she's like a hot, famous person. What's wrong with you? <laughs> that probably is, but it, it's nice that it's uh, coming from him. You, you don't really know, I guess. Right. right. Uh, so I'm being a little facetious here because I, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, another another quote from my sister, she's talking about, especially among the ones that we've done this month, this would probably be what she points to as more of the sort of quintessential rom-com because it doesn't have such a weird zaniness going on necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not super heightened. So it is a little bit different, but still just sort of uh, at their core, rom-coms are appealing because it's two famous hot people. Right. And you get to see them smooch. Yep. They are both famous and hot and smooching. Yeah. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, you want to see like, oh, it seems like, they're, oh no, they're not going to smooch. And then you're like, yay, they smooched. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, they they smooched so much they made a baby. That's how that's where they come from. <laughs> that, that's how it happens. That's how it happens. Yeah. So yeah, I think this is probably the most standard. Sounds like it's putting it down, but sort of the most. Uh, if you wanted to suggest to aliens what a rom com is of the four <laughs> we did this month, I'd probably go with this. Nice. Yeah, it it made an enjoyable flight from Fort Myers to Providence. Mm-hmm. That's all you need sometimes. Yeah. Sh- shout out to JetBlue for having it on their screen 
back of seat yeah. screens for free. And, and, ha- and for having those Terra Blue chips. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not related to this podcast, but they're good chips. <laughs> I usually get the cookies. Yeah, they they didn't have them. They had um, Goody Girl cookies, um, Kettle Pop popcorners chips. Okay, I lo- popcorn. uh, yeah, I, I love the popcorners. But yeah, they are good. And then um, the one of the flight attendants. combination of the texture. Oh my God. They, they are good. One of the flight attendants. You have to get some snacks going. We, yeah, we, you got to just crunch into your microphone. Um, one of the flight attendants told me they had lime bubbly pre-pandemic and they just haven't brought it back yet. So they've moved on from the Terra Blue chips. That's, but. We, need, we need a full return to normal. Yeah. So including we, the Terra Blues. <laughs> bring back the Terra Blues. I hope they sponsor you, Ben. The, these these no. liberal, these irrational <laughs> liberals demanding pandemic restrictions, such as not having Terra Blues. <laughs> yes, they. There's something about how long it takes you to eat them. Yeah. You just take your yeah. mask off for too long. You know, it's a shame. <laughs> it's a shame. No good. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> just trying to watch rom coms on a tiny screen. Exactly. Exactly. Up. But that, I mean, that honestly does say something that, like, that's one of the free movies and it's 23 years old. Yeah. That's just sort of like someone will be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I'll throw that on for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> so go Jet that's Blue. That's a good one. Yeah. Go, go Jet Blue. A lot of other airlines on that length of a flight won't show you movies. Uh, right. They will. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Uh, okay. So. This whole month we've been doing ratings on a couple different tracks. This movie as a rom-com, most people are doing out of 10, but you can do out of literally any scale you want. And uh, and then also do this movie as a movie. Eight out of 10 on the rom-com scale. It loses those two points on how much I want them to end up together, which is not much. <laughs> okay. Um, movies, six and a half out of 10. All right. Interesting. That's not like a D, like this isn't a school scale, but like. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah, all, words have meaning. This is a movie scale. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> As a rom-com, I would say like 3.5 out of 10. Okay. Wow. Because it had, I'm just troubled by, like, I don't think it's funny and I don't think it's romantic. Okay. <laughs> and and I think it, it follows the formula, but ultimately is hollow. Um, because it doesn't have like the key, like some of the key aspects I think that that rom com should have. As a movie, I'll give it like a seven out of ten. I think like it's fine to it's like superficial, like superficially pleasurable to watch. I mm-hmm. would say, mm-hmm. yeah. I think m- most of my points on the movie front were pleasure points, but there were some good choices made, like the seasons walk, etc. Yeah, I thought this movie was. Better than you guys did. <laughs> uh, I would say probably eight, eight, eight and a half maybe on the rom-com scale and right around eight for as a movie. I really dug it. I think I still like, of the of the four rom-coms we did this month, I still like Sleepless in Seattle more. Um, I think the, the kind of how weird it is and um, Tom Hanks's relationship with his son is something that just isn't really uh, kind of a, relationship that exists in this movie through no fault of its own. It Chet Hanks, I movies. hope you're talking about. It, yeah, it's Chet Hayes. He's in the movie. <laughs> uh, he's rapping and talking about a white boy summer. It's weird. Um, it's a good movie. Did you know you've got mail? What other rom-coms did you do? So we did Something's Gotta Give. Okay. Sleep is in Seattle. Music and lyrics. And this. Nice. It's a short month. There's only four Mondays. That's true. So. Next February, you've got mail. 
Well, we yeah, we did a Tom Hanks Meg Ryan movie, so we'll do another Tom Hanks Meg Ryan movie Got next it. year. Yeah, we'll do it. We could have just all, all done either Tom Hanks or Meg Ryan movies and, and gotten to four easily, but that's true. Anyway, so yeah, that's where I'd put it around eight and a half as a rom com. Around eight as a movie, I really liked it. I thought it was quite good. Um, I, I yeah, the soundtrack I don't like, but mostly. It's directed better than it has to be, I think. And uh, the performances are pretty undeniable. Yes, for sure. I, I just dug it a lot. Let's play a game. Yes. Uh, this In this movie, Hugh Grant owns a travel bookstore that I think is just called like Travel Books. <laughs> yep. So in honor of his profession, I'm going to give you the title or subtitle of a book that is either a travel book or a kind of like memoirs travel log or has something to do with traveling. I'm going to give you a subtitle of that book and you're going to tell me where it's about. All right. Wow. I like this. Yeah. I didn't come up with a name for the game. So let's just say it's, um, eat, pray quiz. <laughs> the up first in a sunburned country. I'm trying to decide if it's a place that's really hot or if it's a place with lots of white people. Who would get sunburned? <laughs> that is a good question. Yeah. Let's say Ireland. Lots of redheads. <laughs> um, I'm going with a really hot country. I'll go like Egypt. So I was picturing the um the meme of the little girl saying, why not? Both. It's Australia. <laughs> Wait, porky, no, oh, that uh, makes Australia. a lot of sense. Got it. Ozone hall. <laughs> uh, and that's a Bill Bryson. <clears throat> Some of these are just like, do you, are you aware of where this is? Uh, and you'll see those as they come up. A short walk in the Hindu Kush. The Hindu Kush. India. That was like my guess, but it seemed too obvious. I'll, I'll go Indonesia for funsies. Sure. It is Afghanistan. Nice. Oh, <laughs> All right. Up next. You're both at zero. <laughs> Damn. Uh, into thin air. Into thin air. Um, Nepal. Uh, I'll say Nepal. Yeah, it's specifically Mount Everest. Is, oh, I'm yeah, sure you could guess. Countries. No, that, that works too, but I'm okay. sure as you could guess from if you think Nepal. That it's we need a buzzer. Okay. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Black lamb and gray falcon. New Zealand. I don't know. Mongolia? It is a, a, a journey through Yugoslavia. <laughs> oh, nice. I would not have guessed that. Nice. <laughs> I'm, trying, nice. I'm trying to mix them up, you know? My grandmother loves talking about having gone to Yugoslavia. That's awesome. Why does your grandma go to Yugoslavia? Some religious trip, uh, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, iron and silk. China? I don't know. Vietnam. China. All right. Uh, Justin takes the lead. He's up by one. <laughs> Alone in a fisherman's skiff. Ireland. England. No, Wales. It, it's a country that has previously been incorrectly guessed. Oh. I don't remember by who. Egypt. Uh, it's Egypt. Okay. Cool. It was your like third or fourth guess. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. We'll count for half a point. You're down by half a point. Excellent. A walk in the woods. Oh, that's US. The United States. That is the United States. It's another real Bryson. Yeah. 
Chasing the Monsoon. Thailand? Vietnam? No. Cambodia? India? India! Yeah! Yeah. (laughs) That's also a half point, so you're back up a full point. (laughs) Uh, We just have a couple left. Um... Shackleton's Incredible Voyage. Antarctica. Mm. Oh, no, it's the North Pole. It's the North Pole. It's Antarctica. Oh. No, you got it right. <laughs> I was just like, seeing if you were going to guess. <laughs> um, that was a great guess, in that it was correct. In that it was correct. <laughs> so you got two left, and Justin's up by two. Shit. I can get them wrong. The narrow road to the deep north. Um, Russia? Canada. Russia's very close to it. Ukraine. Ukraine. Uh, Japan. Uh. <laughs> We're just doing all of our guessing in unison, but... Um. <laughs> you're going to be like, the other side. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you know. Um, and here's the last one. The impossible country. It was a previous answer. It was a, a correct previous answer? Yes. Oh. Is it Australia? Yugoslavia. It's Yugoslavia. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you cut the deficit to one. Yay. <laughs> I'll take it. But that was the last question. Yeah, bummer. Congratulations, Justin. More you... like the impossible quiz. <laughs> you won. Thank you. He did it. You won. And we'll see how fast people who are listening can Google and see if they get the answers before. So, Mm -hmm. and that was Eat, Pray, Quiz. Yay. Yay. Let's all walk down Portobello Road. Ah, One day. You'll have to get over your your deep hatred for London. (laughs) I will. I will. I'll become a a London file. Yeah, there's got to be a word for that. It's it's insane. No one's invented it yet. I know. Um, You have to go to Harrods. Okay. You gotta. Gotta. You love department stores. You have you have to go to <laughs> you Nando's. Yeah, you I've been some, to Nando's. You need Come some on. Dude, I ate, last time I was there, I got I was getting a, a huge amount of Nando's. Got, gotta have Wait, that peri peri sauce. Yeah, it's Portuguese. Nando's kicks ass. It's so good. The nearest ones DC, DC probably. I was gonna say DC. Yeah, when I lived yeah. in DC, I used to get it. They're all over Malaysia. Um yes. yo, so. we need why, more why Nando's. Are there no Nando's in the north. Oh no, South Africa. Yeah, yeah, they're they're there too. I don't know. I think there's too you much like be actual easy. Portuguese. I don't know though. Not beyond like not this kind. Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Well, right. There should be an end. Barely even uh, like specifically a concentration in Southeast Massachusetts. There is a a peri peri chicken place in Providence. Really? It's new. Mm. And like by in College Hill or whatever. Mm -hmm. We've come to the end. We've come to the end. The end of Portobello Road. The end of Portobello Road. Knock on that blue door and go home uh, (laughs) because this was. The end of our episode on Notting Hill and the end of Rom-Com Month. Rom-Com Month will return next February. So, yeah, thank you so much for being with us this week on Late to the Movies. You can reach us via email at latetothemovies at gmail.com. That's the number two, not too spelled out. Same deal with the Instagram. That's late to the movies underscore podcast. You can check out all the fun posters that we're making there. And uh, I don't know. I think they're fun. I think they're great. They're great. 
their uh, graphic design is my passion, and uh, <laughs> I think it shows through. It's absolutely seamless. No one's facing the wrong direction. There's no weird scaling. Uh, it's completely seamless. You won't even realize they're not the real movie posters. On last week's episode, Greg mentioned that he wanted a shirt that says Superfan. Sure enough, on our T Public storefront, there is now a shirt that says Superfan. It also has Greg's face on it. Can't wait for your fancy a fuck T-shirt next week. Yeah, that's that's. <laughs> I think you can do two-sided designs on Z Public. I'll have to figure it out, um, and I'll just add it to the one that has Greg's face on it already. Fantastic, fantastic! Thank you guys so much for being on, Justin and Kate. Thank you, Ben. My pleasure. See you next time.